So, um, I started watching this interview with Nick Carter on the Bankless podcast, and I'm not done with it. Maybe, you know, a third of the way in or so. And um, it's this whole debate of whether, you know, Nick Carter is a good is a good uh, Bitcoiner or not. You know, this he's rejected this this maxi Bitcoin maximalism, uh, toxic maximalism definition where he believes that Bitcoin isn't the only cryptocurrency worthwhile, which um, to the extent that I am a critic of Bitcoin, uh, I'm very critical of the Bitcoiners who think that Bitcoin is the only crypto worthwhile, although I tend to think they're all sort of fraudulent and scams anyways. But um, but at least if you're big, you know, at least Nick Carter doesn't um, doesn't fold to the maximalism ideology. However, I will say that he's a Bitcoiner like where it matters and where it matters is that I think he still has Bitcoin. He said he has, still owns a lot of Bitcoin. It's his most uh, uh, um, numerous, I guess, crypto position of outside his VC firm, you know. So he he's still a Bitcoin uh, person, like where it matters. And it matters, you know, to the extent that um, it matters to the extent that um, he still believes in Bitcoin is, is, is basically a store of value or a money, right? I think he still believes this. I'm speculating a little bit. But as long as you still hold these basic beliefs that Bitcoin can be money, even though it, it's not acting like one, it's not acting like a medium of exchange at all. Um, if you hold these basic beliefs, aren't you sort of a Bitcoin person, right? Just because you're not a, ta- uh, a maximalist where you, you also like other cryptos, it doesn't mean he doesn't like Bitcoin. In fact, he says he still likes Bitcoin and he still likes Bitcoin's future. And, um, he thinks it's going to probably go up in price or else he wouldn't hold it. Right. He wouldn't defend it. He wouldn't defend the energy debate of Bitcoin. So he has like, he has an incentive to be pro Bitcoin because he holds a lot of it. Um, he has an incentive to make arguments for Bitcoin's favor. Uh, but that's not enough for these Bitcoin maxis. Like for these Bitcoin maxis, you can't just, you know, have arguments, for the bullish case of Bitcoin, um, you need to be, you need to be fully committed to Bitcoin. You can have no other crypto you're interested in. Uh, that's really telling is that they, they will get rid of you, right? Uh, pounce on you. If you like any other cryptocurrency besides Bitcoin, which isn't going to be great for their movement. I mean, they're going to end up purging a lot of people from this movement people who are intellectually clear, curious that was what he mentioned on his show was that more open-minded people tend to not be maximalists uh, because the maximalist arguments are just tired and boring, right? They just repeat the same things they've heard um, before. Uh, it's just, bo- it's just flat out boring. Um, you know, it's just not interesting. <laughs> um, and I think it's, just, I think it's intellectually dishonest as well, but um uh, but Nick Carter is still a Bitcoin person. You know, he's still he's still this guy that likes Bitcoin. Uh, and that's what counts to me. Like, who, who, who cares if he's this maximalist or not? Who cares if he uh, believes in stock to flow or the rainbow chart or whatever, you know, whatever nonsense these Bitcoiners believe in? Although, but 
the problem is, is that he does believe, I think, that Bitcoin's going to be money. He does believe that it can, you know, be this digital gold type thing. He believes it's a store of value. He basically was making the case for the Bitcoin argument that Bitcoin number go up, right? That um, Now, he says he doesn't believe in the halvings, uh, but he thinks that Bitcoin is a great tool and that I guess it can be money. So in my opinion, Nick Carter plays to an audience and will say whatever, um, will, will cater his responses to whatever audience he's talking to. And I, he comes across as a, as a, as a Bitcoiner. Like he comes across as favoring Bitcoin and that's, that's tr- sort of a Bitcoin maxi position. But again, he's kind of a weasel in that he will say whatever, right, to please a crowd. And I think he doesn't like committing to any one side. He likes this idea of being ambiguous, right? He, he likes using fancy words. Um, and he, he, he can, you can see, I, can, I think that the best example of Nick Carter being wishy-washy and ambiguous is his ideas around ESG. If you look at what he said in the past, he defends like renewable grids. He defends this idea that we should green our grids and participate in demand response and have the Bitcoin miners uh, help secure our grid. But then occasionally he'll say stuff like, oh, well, the ESG green movement's off their rocker or, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, and I, I don't even know. I feel like he, I feel like he's bought and sold the ESG argument that we should be going more renewable because he said this numerous times, in my opinion, he's basically spoken these words numerous, numerous times. Um, and like, and, um, so, so, uh, so he's, I feel like he's more green than he's not. Now, occasionally I'll see a tweet from him, like poking fun at the green movement or ESG or like, you know, they're making us, you know, eat, eat bugs or something like that. Um, but I tend to see more alignment with the ESG green narrative. Um, but then he'll say he was, oh, he was arguing with John Paul, uh, Koning and like, cause he, John Paul Koning was calling him out and saying, Hey, you're like a green proponent. You're basically saying that Bitcoin can help renew, you know, transition to renewables. And that's exactly what he was saying. Although he denied it in this tweet. And this is another example of him being wishy-washy. I wish I had that tweet thread in front of me because I remember seeing it and I remember calling him out and thinking like, at the time thinking he's, he's completely wishy-washy. At first he says that Bitcoin miners can help green the grid, help with demand response and help us transition to renewables. And then he basically denies he even like said this. So like you can't have it both ways, right? He, he needs to, he needs to sort of man up and like, just admit that he's, he's playing both sides in my opinion. And it, people don't like this hypocrisy. And I think this is what he's, he's being called out on is mainly his hypocrisy. And he's probably, if he's done this in ESG, uh, most likely he's done this in other areas, other, other, you know, sectors of Bitcoin. You know, he's a big proponent of the store value narrative of Bitcoin as you know, this inflation hedge, or at least he was in the past. Maybe he's changed his opinion now, but where you can see his hypocrisy mostly today, in my opinion, is his, is this ESG grid stuff. Like, so the Bitcoin, he's on the Bitcoin mining council with Michael Saylor, right? That basically is tracking green 
renewable Bitcoin mining and, and trying to encourage going to renewables. Um, he's he's a big ESG proponent, even though like he doesn't he doesn't always come out and say it. This is the part of his wishy washiness, but he um, but he is like he's he's definitely for ESG, but then he'll deny it. Right? He'll deny that he's promoting Bitcoin ESG when you can clearly see that he is. So I'd say if you really wanted to call out Nick Carter on his 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 hypocrisy and stuff. Uh, look to his ESG comments. Look to what he's, you know, said and funded and promoted, as far as ESG, and then try to find some comments where he, he uh, says, no, I, I wasn't promoting renewables or the green movement, uh, because you'll see that he, he'll, he, when he speaks it to different audiences, you'll see that he changes his, his views slightly. He, he changes the way he presents himself and his views on that, and then he always walks something back and says. No, no, no! I didn't mean that. Or you didn't, you you didn't understand me. Reread this. Or this comment was taken too seriously. Like this is his cop out. This is this is how he can be everything to everyone, right? And this is what blew up in his face with the Bitcoin maxis coming attacking him. And one more comment I'll make, and I've made this comment before about Nick Carter, is in the past he said he owns gold, right? He that he owns gold. He's bullish on gold and Bitcoin. Um, and that he has select tweets, too, that look like he's more of a gold guy than a Bitcoin guy. And I think this is his this is Nick Carter's receipts for, for the future when Bitcoin ultimately collapses. He can say, well, I was, you know, Bitcoin was my speculative play. I was always a gold person all along. I always held held gold. This was my conservative asset. I didn't talk about it because gold's not that interesting to talk about. But I guarantee you, Nick, Nick Carter is going to do this to save his um, his save his reputation because uh, clearly he cares about his reputation. Uh, you know, going on the offensive here and this, you know, against the Bitcoin maxis, he clearly, clearly cares. Um, and he's such an ambiguous guy, I think, so that he can go back and say, "Hey, hey, hey! I wasn't all about Bitcoin. I was never a Bitcoin maxi. I also held gold. Here's some select tweets I'll show you where I talked about how I was bullish on gold." And that when Bitcoin fails, right, if it ultimately fails, he can always just shift to that narrative and say, well, you know, we thought Bitcoin was going to work, but it was always this experiment. I was never a Bitcoin maxi. Uh, I never had all my, you know, uh, eggs in one basket with Bitcoin. You know, I was playing multiple cryptocurrencies. I was also playing the gold market. I was also playing around with other maybe hard assets as an inflation hedge. So... Uh, he's covered. He's covered his bases. He's covered his bases so well um, because he's so ambiguous. It, he never commits to anything. Uh, and I think you can you can see this um, the best with his ESG arguments. Uh, he's clearly pro ESG because he's playing to an audience of this helps Bitcoin right now. Uh, and there's a lot of money in ESG, right? Bitcoin. So he he supports it. Uh, but then, you know, occasionally he'll kind of agree with his friend, Marty Bent, who doesn't, you know, doesn't really promote, promote the ESG narrative, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. But I've noticed this inconsistency of his for a long time, and it annoys me, but uh, the, the Bitcoin maxis, I guess, have finally had enough of his ambiguous nature, uh, you know, um, trying to... I think what's more annoying is not the fact that he's not a Bitcoin maxi to the maxis. I think it's his trying to pretend like he is a Bitcoin maxi to get 
certain audience share or to be promoted in the Bitcoin community, right? To go on to all these Bitcoin conferences and be the celebrated, you know, celebrated guy uh, that appears on all, you know, all these interviews at CNBC and, and, and just is celebrated in the Bitcoin community. He definitely wants that respect and that clout, I think. Uh, but, you know, so he, he used that for, for his purposes to get well known and stuff. And then he, and then, um, well, the money is made elsewhere, right? Let's just be honest here. This is why I think the Bitcoin, Bitcoin people are kind of deluded. I mean, why do Bitcoin people think they should have a monopoly on being able to create a token out of thin air, pump it up and sell it into the market, right? Everyone who wants to make some money isn't going to Bitcoin, right? They're going to generate their own cryptocurrency out of thin air because they can. So Nick Carter, if he's looking to make returns for his uh, investors, well, that's where to do it, right? It's not in Bitcoin. The, the money has been made in Bitcoin, right? The money's been made. You're not going to make any more money in that space. It's a dead space, right? It's dead. I mean, how much further can it go up? The, the real money is outside of Bitcoin. And the real innovation is also outside of Bitcoin. There's, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can do with lightning. <laughs> there's only so much you can do with Bitcoin because it's very slow. It's not very innovative. There's people, there's certain people that control, right. That, that at least, you know, basically they don't control it, but you know, they've got more influence and you're not going to come, you're not going to be able to have, I mean, well, he can have a lot of influence because he's a well-known guy perhaps, but the stuff that he's, he's, he wants to do is probably outside the Overton window of, of what Bitcoiners will allow. So, I mean, it's an interesting debate. I love the infighting in Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it makes Bitcoin more interesting when they start fighting each other, uh, you know, as a Bitcoin uh, critic myself. So uh, I love to, uh, to to watch what's going on. And it's a, it's a very interesting just thing to study. I mean, this, this Bitcoin maxi, no one really can define what, exactly what it is. I mean, is it a cultural thing? I, I don't think it's, the culture is separate. It's it, to me. It's more of a moral superiority thing. Of you can only like Bitcoin uh, beca- because it's morally superior. In this idea that everything else is a fraud, uh, and that you shouldn't be starting your own cryptocurrency to get rich. So even though the Bitcoiners did this, you know, you you shouldn't be allowed to do what they did, which is create a token out of thin air. And then uh, promote it, right? And then dump it. Like, you're, you should not be allowed to do what the Bitcoiners did. This is how the Bitcoiners got rich. And the Bitcoin maxi position is that they should have a monopoly and it should never be allowed to be done again. You know, no other cryptocurrency should exist. Um, you know, and they want to morally condemn people who do it, especially if you you were previously in Bitcoin. But they want to morally condemn everybody. For, for starting another cryptocurrency. And this is why they're running to the SEC, they're running to government to try to enforce a monopoly of Bitcoin only. Uh, and so they're trying to do, do it through the state because they've been unsuccessful right in the marketplace of just you know everyone agreeing that Bitcoin is the only thing that should exist. Of course, no one agrees with that because everyone wants to create their own crypto and get rich themselves. Uh, and it's very easy to do this. And it's not being, there's no, there's no regulatory arm like really out there getting you. So why not? (laughs) Like there's no one pressuring anyone to not do this currently. There's no, there's no law enforcement, whatever. So the risk reward is, is there to, to go and create this, um, 
to, you know, new token cryptocurrency. So the Bitcoiners have no right, in my opinion, to, to tell other people, right, that they can't go get rich and create their own cryptocurrency. I hate the Bitcoin maxis for basically morally condemning people for something they did and got rich on, right? I hate that. Like, so I don't like these Bitcoin maxis. And I think the maxi part is really trying to make people feel bad for wanting to get rich themselves, do exactly what the Bitcoiners did, create the coin, right? They want to make you feel morally uh, awful. And they want to call every other, big, you know, other, other crypto uh, currency a Ponzi, right? This is, this is the, the moral superiority again. So in my opinion, this is what Bitcoin maximalism is. It's calling every other token a fraud and a scam uh, to try to morally suppress other cryptos because they realize that, that, that they don't really have real scarcity, right? Bitcoin isn't really scarce in its utility as a utility. And that's what matters. It's artificially scarce because any number of cryptos can satisfy the utility nature of peer-to-peer -peer transactions. So the only thing they have going for them is this digital gold narrative where they've artificially limited the token size to 21 million. And, you know, quote unquote, it's an inflation hedge, which you can't, you can't have, you cannot have a token uh, be, be uh, artificially scarce right, and have any demand if the, if the utility can be satisfied by any number of cr other cryptos. Um, so the only thing they have going for them is pretending like it's some kind of digital gold, uh, but even that is a farce too. So the only thing they have going for them is not the utility part, it's just that so they created this token out of nothing and because the proof of work is artificially tied to the creation of the token uh, by humans, it's a human thing. Um, so. The only, the only thing they have really going for them is this idea that somehow, uh, somehow, like you're going to just believe that this, this digital token, that there's only 21 million of them, is somehow just scarce, and that's what makes it valuable. There's hardcore Bitcoiners that believe this, that believe that because it's scarce, it should be valuable. And because they talk about it and re refer to it as gold, that it should somehow be valuable. <laughs> Like I could create one of these 21 million tokens and say it's digital gold. Would that work? Would, would that be enough? I mean, for these people, I guess, you know, they, they'd be really confused because yeah. <laughs> oh, another one is exactly like Bitcoin that's trying to pretend like it's gold, artificially limited in supply. Well, they always back it up with, oh, well, there's so much, there just actually is utility to Bitcoin. The problem is, is that the utility can be satisfied again by any number of different cryptocurrencies. So it's not actually really scarce, in my opinion. Uh, how did I get on that? Well, um, Bitcoin narratives. So Bitcoin narratives, yeah. So I think that, you know, I still think that Nick Carter believes this bullshit. I still think that he believes this this digital gold narrative, that it's better than gold, that it's, um, uh, that it, it, you know what, Bitcoin has appreciated way faster than gold. Yes. But how can you say, how can you even compare it to gold? This thing is like nothing like gold, right? Gold is very stable. You don't buy gold to get rich. You buy Bitcoin to get rich. But that ship is sailed, right? I think that Nick Carter realizes that. He's kind of getting out, right? Because he realizes that the ship is, is gone. Like, there's no more upside probably in Bitcoin. I mean, maybe they can push it up a little bit longer. Um, 
who knows, right? Maybe if the Fed turns on the printer again, they can push it up again. Uh, I think that's what they're all waiting for, which is just an admission that this thing only survives to the extent that we've got cheap money lying around. Uh, and Descartes even admitted this in his latest interview. He admitted this, like, oh, well, we're not going to see Bitcoin turn around unless the, the spigots start going back up again. I mean, that's obvious an admission that all this Bitcoin, all this crypto stuff is just built on all this cheap money. Uh, you know, and it's funny that the Bitcoiners are very, you know, pro sound money and whatever, but yet they, they really, they even realize the con, they realize that, well, we have to have money created out of thin air from the Fed and maybe even Tether and other stable coins for Bitcoin to actually work. I mean, so they want the money printer to keep printing for Bitcoin to go up in price. It just, it shows you the farce of their movement and the bankruptcy of their ideas, <laughs> They don't really care about sound money. They care about getting rich, right? In, in my opinion, Bitcoin doesn't really have a lot longer to go. I mean, I say that, but then I, I still think it can cycle up and down, you know, a few more times or see all these believers in this movement. And, um, you know, but the believers are your exit, right? If you want to trade Bitcoin, <laughs> these hodlers apparently are always going to be buying. Uh, so they're going to be the ultimate bag holders. But we'll see. I mean... You know, bag holding um, can only be be around so long. Like, how long were these ba- how long were these hodlers? How long were these bag holders um, stick around? How how much pain will they endure? Will they keep buying? You know, years and years and years and keep losing money. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how religious they are, right? But in my opinion, religion requires real sacrifice, real pain, real pain. And I've mentioned this before, but. Uh, and this wasn't originally my idea, but this guy named David Azerod say Azerod was basically saying, "Well, you know, wokeism. If you put a real pain, a real cost, right, on these people, uh, they'll defect, right." So the idea is that you know these Yale Yale uh, law students, right, protesting these these free, you know, uh, certain speeches on campus. You actually punish these people. You you threaten to kick them out of Yale Law School. You know, they can kiss goodbye, you know, all their political connections and maybe like a, a nice you know, judge seat or something somewhere down the line or political run. Uh, and they're going to defect. They're going to they're going to back down. They're not going to think it's worth it to protest right? because they're not really into self-sacrifice. They're into virtue signaling and they're into this idea that um, they're into this idea that they're going to you know, agreeing with wokeism, right? Or, you know, they're going to be celebrated, they're going to be liked, liked, virtue signaling. There's no real cost here. And religious people, real religious people self-sacrifice. And I think that a lot of people compare Bitcoin to religion. They're sort of correct in a way. I mean, it is kind of a cult following if you want to say it's mindless. Yes, I believe it's mindless. Um, But it's not a real religion, it's not. It's not like Christianity, and I'm not religious myself, but it's not like Christianity. It's not where people are going on mission trips, right, without any kind of um, personal um, incentive. People go on mission trips in Bitcoin to El Salvador because they're self-interested and because they have an economic incentive. And oftentimes they're being paid by all these big companies, right, that they're sending them down there. Uh, to educate the masses, right? To convert these people to Bitcoin or basically get them to buy Bitcoin. There's an economic incentive. These people are self-interested, which means the f- that if there's years of bag hodling from these hodlers and Bitcoin, 
they're going to throw in the towel. They're not going to keep losing money, right? They're only religious. They only believe in Bitcoin because they think it's going to make them rich. And if this, if this goes on for years, right, right, years of losses, just years in the dumps, these people will abandon Bitcoin and they're not going to come back. Um, they're not going to come back. And so I think that you can tell a true religion, a true religion would be whether these Bitcoiners can really self-sacrifice for years where they don't, um, where they don't gain anything where they just, they're just down in the dumps. Right. But I think they'll abandon the ship, uh, pretty, pretty soon. I mean, I mean, think about this. We're in an economic depression because of the fed raising rates. Uh, you know, if if the fed's actually going to start shrinking the money supply, um, we're going to be in a really bad place. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. What money left over will there be for Bitcoin? Now, the Bitcoiners think the Fed's going to turn on the spigot again. But at some point, that doesn't really help people, right? It just creates this inflationary spiral or uh, or it's just not enough, right? You, you're spending whatever the government gives you in the stimmies for, uh, for food or for... Um, I don't know, your rent's gone up, right? So you don't have enough money to speculate in Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, when you're down in the dumps and like you're, you've lost your job and stuff, I doubt you're really going to be throwing it into Bitcoin. You're going to be spending it on food, right? If we have a severe economic depression, I don't think the money is going to flow back into Bitcoin. I just think that we're just going to be a lot poorer as a society. Everyone's going to have lost a lot of their purchasing power. And the last thing they're going to want to do is speculate on Bitcoin. Now, Perhaps if they truly, you know, go insane with hyperinflation, Bitcoin could go up. But will it go up in real terms or will it just go up in nominal terms? I think because it's not a productive asset, I think it's going to have a hard time attracting like any kind of store of value wealth uh, from anyone. Like I, if, you know, if I had extra cash around, I would be putting it into something productive that I knew people needed. Like when there's a, when there's a recession that hits. What do people invest in? They, they invest in like tried and true things. They don't invest in speculative uh, pie in the sky dreams. They don't they just don't do that when reality sets in, when people are a lot poorer. They just don't do it. So when the economy crashes, when people feel it, when their asset values go down in the stocks and real estate markets, that's it for Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't think it's coming back. I mean, I think that at some point these cycles end permanently and there's just no one left to buy Bitcoin. Everyone's been um, flushed out. There's been nobody. There's been people who have been burned. And I think the people who have been burned aren't going to want to buy Bitcoin. I mean, they're not going to come back. Once you've been burned in Bitcoin, you're not coming back to Bitcoin. And I tell you, I'm a critic and I've, I've not been burned at Bitcoin, right? I've, <laughs> I've known about Bitcoin since 2013 and I put a little bit in. Right. And I sold along the way. Not I didn't put a lot in. Right. I'm not somebody who made a lot of money here, but I'm just saying that as a critic, you think that I've been burned. I haven't been burned. I've never lost money in Bitcoin. So uh, if that, you know, but I but I, I I would say that people who have been burned and have lost money trading Bitcoin uh, would be, you know, adverse to Bitcoin, <laughs> at least coming back to Bitcoin. They're not coming back. Once you you know traded it and lost lost money, you're not coming back to Bitcoin. Um, but I, I think I've, I've, uh, I'm gonna end it here. Um, have to uh, bring my car to the shop. So, anyways, thanks for listening.